Before we start this episode, I would like to take a minute to tell you about the upcoming Texas Woodworking Festival, where makers and enthusiasts come together to celebrate their love for the craft. Join us for this two-day event filled with fun, creativity, and inspiration. The festival brings together lumberyards, woodworking organizations and clubs, content creators, furniture makers, and tool manufacturers for a weekend of food, drinks, and all things woodworking. This year, the festival is launching educational seminars where you'll have the opportunity to learn from some true masters of the craft, including Frank Straza, Philip Morley, Kim McIntyre, and Andrew Hunter, just to name a few. The festival will be held in Austin, Texas on August 26th and 27th. Visit TexasWoodworkingFestival.com for more information and to buy tickets. Whether you're a seasoned woodworker or just starting out, there's something for everyone at the Texas Woodworking Festival. Hi, I'm Kyle on episode 454 of the MWA podcast. Sean and myself are asking Phil Morley the five questions. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out Phil's interview on episode 453. So welcome back, Phil. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's been <laughs> a weekend, you know. It's, you know <laughs> you're you're nice, well, bright, yeah. fresh, ready to go. So anyway, so um, but before we get started with the five questions, so uh, Sean, who do we have to thank this week? We always like to give a big thanks to our Patreon supporters, and today we're giving that thanks to my fellow Sean, Sean Nichols, spelled differently. I won't hold it against you, Sean. It's okay. If you would like to be uh, a, a supporter of the MWA podcast like Sean is, go to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. Righty. So, Sean, why don't you get us started with the five questions? For sure, Phil. So ready for the ready for the gamut here. Uh, so, question one, how did you get into woodworking? Uh, so... Uh... I'm from England, and I oh, I thought in... that was just an East Texas accent. Yeah, see, yeah, real, real East. Keep going. Okay, um, so I know you say England. Uh, hold on, real quick. London is L- London specifically, because yeah. I know there's different accents, dialects, and otherwise, depending on where and, you and are. My in... accent's messed up. It, sure, sure. So I came from a particular area in London that um, is not very proper. English, um, right? Cockney and a little bit Cockney because um, you, you do yeah, the little yeah. thing where like so, th's might be v's. Yes, little things. There, well, like there, there is no th. In- England, <laughs> London, growing yeah. up. But how did you actually get into woodwork? Um, so I guess probably high school. Um, you know, like most uh, back then, uh, I went to a. I would say it's it's. Kind of hard to answer this, but basically, um, so I'm dyslexic, and okay. I was expelled from school and had to go to a behavior uh, learning difficulty school, and they would ship me out there. It happened to have a woodworking shop, very small, very simple woodworking shop, uh, and this was high school. Um, if I behaved, I got more time in the shop, and it was something that I've always liked doing stuff with my hands. I liked figuring out how things were made, how they put together. It's just kind of how I had always been, just taking stuff apart. My dad always said I broke stuff. I like take things mm-hmm. apart, put it back together. They may not work when I put yeah, it back together. A couple extra screws, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, a couple things <laughs> missing. Um, and through that, um, I in England at 16, you get to go two different paths. You get to go on more of an academic uh, university path, or you get to go to trade school. Mm-hmm. And so I went and tried out trades, uh, four different trades, and joinery was one of them. I pretty much knew I wanted to do that, so I was 15, um, and went one day a week and 
tried it out and then at the age of 16 um, I got in a little bit of trouble from uh, the police and basically a judge told me that I needed to buckle down I could go juvenile prison or go to the trades full-time so I very much took the trade option wow. and I enjoyed it anyway um, it was the first time I was told I was good at something uh, but yeah so went to trade school for uh, three years full-time uh, after that so that's that's kind of my path into it that's phenomenal yeah I, I it's very interesting that and not to I don't want to throw shade on the London school system but that you were considered uh, uh, may, maybe it wasn't just your dyslexia, but that that played a part in your expulsion from standard school and and moving on. I mean, in in the sub so the suburbs that I live in, there are like a, like diagnosed deficient developmental children that are still in the actual same high school that my son yeah. is in. Like yeah. it's yeah. not they're not put out. They're well, they're so... actually in. In England, dyslexia wasn't recognized. Right, um, which it, is it crazy. Very... You're not you're not 80 years old. <laughs> like this, yeah, no, this happened yeah, yeah. in the in the 90s. It was an right? American um, who came over, and I was one of her first like test studies. Um, I, I forget her name, but I'd meet her two times a week. Uh, she wrote some book on it. Um, but wow. she was coming over to England to basically teach schools how to handle with it. I got expelled from fighting. And so when, when you're dyslexic, you know, you, you tend to be a trouble kid too, because you sure. don't really know what's going on and you just fight. Um, yeah. And so I got expelled for that. They did have programs within that school mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I would go to or get extra help or an assistant or time or whatever it was. It wasn't great. And so the school I went to more was about not even the dyslexia, it was more about the behavior problems. Okay. So okay. it was very much, he's going to prison on this path. Mm -hmm. And it was a nunnery school uh, ran by nuns, but the teachers were not nuns. Uh, right. Except for the, the, the Catholic, you know, uh, religious studies. Um, but it was more, they fixed my attitude. I still, um, I'm much better now, but I still have a lot of trouble with dyslexia and a lot of anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. um, but if they didn't fix my attitude, then nothing else could happen, right? And that's what right. that's what it was about. Oh, so cool. that's yeah. phenomenal. I mean, that's a hell of a path that you've you've kind of gone through and yeah. and exceeded. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of Peaky Blinders in your past. No, I mean, yeah, I don't yes. know if you're fighting that bad, but like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but say no more. Say no more. Maybe come to America. Um, yeah, it was to keep out of trouble when I was 18. So oh, I, was, I don't know. I'm gonna, a lot I'm gonna of come out to America and this <laughs> camp thing, and yeah. that's, that's met my wife, and here I am. You know, there you go. Something years later. <laughs> Well done. Well done for yeah, sure. Yeah, listening to too much Super Tramp at the time. <laughs> so, um, well, well, tell us a little bit. You said said at 16 you started in the joiners trade for those that are not um, savvy. So what's joiners versus woodworkers and cabinet makers? So, and so um, yeah, so a joiner was uh, basically, you know, it was a fancy carpenter and he was the guy, the person that was making stormproof windows sash windows okay. you know, uh, doors so it's more architectural uh, work and so okay. that's what i was trained on um uh, you know doing very complicated doors for the first year you you did uh all hand tools um and then you could start bringing in power machines and then bigger machines you actually go back to the joiner 
joinery shop and use the bigger machines. Um, a part of it too was, uh, you know, trim work. Um, mm. And I, after the three years, you get different, you can do one year, two year, three years, three years, you get a platinum card and it makes you uh, hireable. So you get scouted. And so I got a uh, company, TJ Lowry said they were interested in me. I went and worked for them and did a journeymanship. And that was in Covington Garden during Victorian Edwardian uh, homes. Oh, wow. And it was, we would oh, go wow. in and we would actually strip all the original trim and we wouldn't dump it. We would have to patch it, remake knives, um, swing doors, like basically restore it to its glory um, without just gutting the place. Because, you know, if you gut it, it's cheaper to gut it, but you lose sure. all that history. Right, and there's um, so, phenomenal history there. So, yeah, wow, wow, so, wow that, that's some incredible stuff. Yeah, and those are some incredible houses and you know, yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah, holy crap. Yeah, yeah and, and same stuff, and which is probably why I tend to like minimal design. <laughs> I, yep. I was around a lot of very ornate <laughs> stuff, <laughs> very complicated stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, cool. Well, so tell us, uh, what is your favorite tool? And our limit is twenty three. 23 tools. <laughs> so I'll give you two, a uh, power tool and a hand tool. Um, favorite hand tool is, I think I already said it, a H&T yeah. Gordon uh, Smoother. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely love that that guy. I got it from Hartwood Tools. My good friend Leslie Webb started that. Uh, she's she's basically my, my drug dealer, but with tools. Um, I got you, hey, got try you. this out. Try this out, Phil. And okay, that's four hundred dollars, please. Yeah, um, now you can use those in both the pull and the push stroke, can't you? Yeah, so it's yeah. it's um. It's kind Malaysian, of like Japanese based or something like. Yeah, or, Ma Ma Malaysia. I, yeah, I forget, but it's yeah. not. So that's what I always love. You 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 push it, and people on the internet are like you're doing it wrong. It's like no, no, it's not a kana. It's not a Japanese. It's the the blade is not that far back. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you can push pull. It has a handle that goes through it too that you can use in either direction. Also with the handle or flip the blade and use it as a scraper. And so that guy I really like. Uh, favorite tool, power tool, which is kind of boring, but the bandsaw. No, I I, I, I've heard many say that that would be the first power tool to get for a shop. Yeah. It's yeah, versatile. I mean, you know, I, it, it is. Yeah, I break all my material down on the bandsaw. I don't use table saw for anything like that. Table saw mm -hmm. is pretty much sheet goods or cross cutting. Um, but then I all kinds of crazy jigs on it. Um, absolutely love uh, bandsaw. Pattern bandsawing is fantastic. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a crazy amount of jigs uh, out there oh, for yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Some of the stuff I think Brian Boggs has a number of pattern oh, yeah. type jigs. And yep, it's just you know, take take it off of that, and then it's like a couple hits of a spoke shaving, you're done. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. phenomenal. Cool. So, so what? Uh, who has influenced you the most in woodworking? So I kind of have two for that too. Um, I mean, I've been really fortunate. I've had a lot of great mentors. Um, I, I had a mentor that wasn't a great person, but a great designer and mm, okay. really leading me to be the head designer of that company in Florida. Uh, so I appreciate that. But my biggest mentor is obviously Michael Colker. So C-O-L-C-A. Um, check his website out. He doesn't do any social or anything. Um, very awesome crafts, but I would, I've met a lot of fine furniture makers and I would still say he's probably one of the finest furniture makers out there. Um, just his attention to detail is ridiculous and is why 
I make no money. He's cursed me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just absolutely amazing craftsman. Um, and then I would say Tim Coleman, um, amazing mm -hmm. craftsman, but aesthetics. So my my aesthetics is more, you know, Tim Coleman than Michael. I would say and Michael's more arts and crafts. But what Michael I saw in him was the craftsmanship, and his designs are fantastic, but not necessarily my style. Um, but the craftsmanship was just unbelievable. Uh, and Tim's been huge. Like I've followed Tim's work forever. And, uh, you know, I got to meet him recently and I was just like a kid in a candy store. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like big fanboy. <laughs> yeah. He has some fantastic stuff and he does, he does a, a fair amount of inlay and marquetry type work yes. too. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of beautiful marquetry work. Um, he, mm -hmm. he actually has helped me a lot with, uh, lumber core, um, uh, so he, him and John Cameron um, really helped me with some stuff, that, some methods they use. Very open with sharing, uh, which I love. And just super humble. Like, mm -hmm. Woodworkers are, I mean, honestly, the most humble people and probably the most insecure people I've met. Like it's it's always amazing to me. <laughs> like I'm raising all, my hand. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I'll meet this person that I'm like, I've been looking up to you since I was 15, and they're nervous about meeting me. You know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's like we're all like it's it's wild. Yeah. So really cool. Yep. I've been the, I've been the same way. Yeah. We've had some we've had some um, illuminaries on our podcast, including yourself. And uh, I was a little bit nervous before the episode today. It's just like, you know, hey, I met Phil a number of times. I know him, but, you know, it's like, I'm, hey, yeah, I'm like, I'm Phil Morley on yeah. to some people you've had on there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Everyone's important. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what has been your biggest stumbling block in wood? Making money? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of a tough one. Like, because it, it sounds ridiculous to be like putting too much work into each piece, um, which is a stumbling block, right? Knowing mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. good good is good enough. Yeah, knowing when good is good enough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I say that, but then at the same time, I honestly believe. If I just thought about the dollar amount I was making every hour on a piece, I would not be where I am today because I mm -hmm. would not push myself. I wouldn't push my design. Mm -hmm. um, and so you got to make it work. I'm making it work each year. I make more than the year before. Uh, we live a simple life. But uh, I think sometimes being a little too hard on myself with uh, knowing when good is good enough. Yeah. No, that's that's a good one. I mean, I know my dad's taken some cabinet making classes and and done some work. He's a very DIY kind of guy, but he he'll freely admit, although he was a tradesman in the electrician's aspect of things, um, he although he likes to work in cabinetry, he could never do it as a business. He knows right. it, it. He'll never be happy with it, and it won't come out in time and budget. Like it just won't work. Yeah. So that is a that is a skill to know when yeah. it's enough. Yeah, you know yep. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's why I never make any money because I know because <laughs> I know my stuff is going out to fellow woodworkers, and I'm just like, this isn't good enough. I know, and you yeah. get jigs, and like yeah, exactly. Most beautiful jigs ever. Like, <laughs> they are. I mean, it's and like I know they're well, they're well, they're well received. You're ducks. spawning, you're spawning yeah. a whole new generation of chair makers with your jigs. Yeah. 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 All right. So, last question: How has the internet influenced your work? Um, uh, I mean, it's been huge. Like Instagram, um, mm -hmm. has been absolutely huge. Uh, you know, it's a love hate relationship 
um, and I, mm-hmm. I try to use it as a tool and not let it use me as a tool, but it's a battle. Um, but I, a friend of mine got me on Instagram. I didn't know what the heck it was. And I think the internet basically is taking someone that's in a shop by himself that nobody would ever know and made people know me. And mm-hmm. so that, that, you know, getting to be a contributing uh, author for Fine Woodworking magazine, that only happened because of the internet. Yeah. And then finding me and seeing my stuff and then reaching out to me, uh, all these teaching gigs, like so many things uh, because of the internet. It is. I mean, as, as much as a, as a time suck and distraction as it can be, Instagram specifically, yeah. um, I we hear time and time again from people that it has been the networking possibilities of it that have made a difference. Like yeah, for, for sure. Uh, probably I mean, I'm coming to the end of about a three year backlog um, all because of Instagram. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's so. phenomenal. I mean, for somebody like you, that's teaching and making, you know, in splitting between the two um, that's phenomenal. That is, yep. I, I can, I can guess that that is almost exclusively what's keeping you afloat. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in some way and now right? it's it's different now so that's why i'm like a little well you know everything changes right um, yeah right but uh, yeah like oh, as yeah. The, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In the beginning yeah. It's, it's more and then it's, it progresses you know you you shift a little bit yeah. right like, yeah but yeah yeah so so now i assume you have a little cred within the community and certain <laughs> designers <little> <laughs> and stuff like that i don't mean within the woodworking community i'm talking some of these uh some of these yeah. folks that you made audio cabinets from i'm sure their yep. friends see them and say yeah. hey i want something like that and you know yeah and it, it's a weird thing yeah. it's you get patrons um and yeah. it doesn't take many to keep my mm-hmm. me and my family afloat um yep. it really doesn't um yep. you know four pieces a year five pieces a year um is all i need um but yeah um so yeah, internet has been obviously yeah. uh, fantastic and probably in ways I don't even know also. Yeah, it's crazy how it spins into that. Like, you know, the, it offered you teaching opportunities and got some client base, but then word yeah. of mouth takes over from there. And like yeah. Kyle, you mentioned like, yeah, like those, you know, record enthusiasts, you know, would you may ask, you know, see that you did a thing for a guy and they also want a thing, you know, and that's the yeah. next, mm-hmm. that's the next one. Like that's that's so so cool. Yeah, something that soon, would yeah. wouldn't have been here thirty years ago, yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Just and pre- pretty soon you're going to be making that Michael Fortune money. There Michael you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> actually, I like the way Michael Fortune. I I was teaching uh, alongside him. Um, I don't know a year ago, but he puts it this way as far as like what he makes, and he and I I kind of really liked it. It's like it's a, basically a big bucket and. You know, he just throws it all into a big bucket, you know, commissions, teaching, articles. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, as long as there's enough in that big bucket and it's did better than the year before, I'm okay. Yep, he doesn't go. have like a number, you know. And, right. and you know, as you know, this, this is a crazy way to make a living. It's just, <laughs> it's stupid. It really is. But it's so fulfilling. I get to see my family more than most people get to see their family. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so much more. It's a lifestyle. Uh, yeah. My wife could go get a full-time job. Um, I could go get a full-time job somewhere. We could put our kids in school. It's not for everyone. It, it's definitely a lifestyle and I wouldn't change it. it. It Even at this point in my career, I just a few months back, I'm like, I haven't heard anything about any work, even though I'm trying to not take work on. I start panicking. And then all of a sudden, 
couple of jobs come up. It's it's never ending. It's always where's the next thing coming from. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's nerve wracking at times, but it's a good yeah, thing for sure. Absolutely, but this and there's so many ways you can go with it. That's what I like, and that's the internet's helped that. You know, it, yeah, teaching, but you could design for other people. You could design for companies. Like there's so many different avenues just within woodworking that you can kind of experiment with. And, yeah. Um, so yeah. So have you had I'm that looking... where where someone's like seen the work you've done and said, "Hey, I like your style. Could you design this dresser for me?" You know, um, or something like that. You mean for like a company? I, oh, a company or just another another you know another a client that is going to produce the the piece but just wants uh, the design yeah i have i've done that several times oh, that's so cool. I, I i typically don't do i don't work with interior designers um it, mm. they don't pay enough they want the work you know last week Next, yeah. um and and it's their design that doesn't interest me i you know i tell people i feel a little guilty about this but i'm like i could make a lot more money making less of work and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, that's it's true. Not what I want to do. Um, if this wasn't working, I would make woodworking work. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's it's not like I'll let my family starve. Like I will right. make it work. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I have done in the past uh, designed multiple pieces for different interior designs or um, furniture manufacturers. I don't know what you'd call them. Um, and then yeah. they, I get a little royalty check once in a mm -hmm. while or sometimes it's just this is the amount and the design is theirs and i've i've done that too but that's pretty crazy, cool i'm not crazy about doing that <laughs> no no i mean that's that's yeah. a whole different thing like yeah. you're you're kind of like selling your soul a little I've, bit i've got to be passionate about the design aspect yeah like, you yeah. know i well I you, you know clients, you... i can do something but give me a little time and let me think about it and then if something sparks then i'll send you a chicken scratch and we go from there mm -hmm. like i can't force it out well, you know, you got the Ames chair and the Morley lounger, you know. Yeah. God, man, I'm so tired of that lounge chair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to build six. Starting oh, my. Week. I'm oh so man. Oh. I think I'm going to retire that class. Like teaching that class is a nightmare. <laughs> it's fun. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. It really is. But holy cow, it's a lot yep. of work. I can imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, where can folks find you on the interwebs? uh com. so that's my website youtube philip morley furniture i keep it really simple philip morley furniture everything um instagram is, is pretty much where i'm at most of the time um and youtube i do have stuff up there i depend on my my mood and attitude like i'll start doing some videos i think i actually had a series of videos i was doing for bucks making and then i just stopped so people are like where the heck's the next video and i've already <laughs> finished i've already finished the bucks um it's just a hard thing to do but there's well, some, you, there's you, some you, stuff you, up there yeah yeah well you mismeasured and you cut the box in the wrong place so they gotta wait for you to yeah <laughs> it's like i started those videos maybe six months ago and mm -hmm. now just the last few weeks i'm back to the boxes and that that's kind of how my life goes so I, I don't just stay on one thing unfortunately um i'll go off and teach for multiple weeks and then come back and pick up on something else so it's it's a little bit crazy it's probably not the best way to do it but it's just the way i have to kind of keep pulling things along and keeping everyone happy well we're all happy 
Absolutely. So, exactly. Well, you can always find me on Instagram at Barton.Kyle or BB Custom Tools, bbcustomtools.com or on YouTube under BB Custom Tools or Kyle Barton. Sean, what about yourself? Wow. As, it all out in one breath. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty that good. Was impressive. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> way longer. <laughs> uh, you can find me on most social medias at SeanW78. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.